Amen, amen. You guys awake? Man, y'all awake? It's an honor to be here with you this morning. Um, I really do count it an honor. I'm going to be here. I won't be long, but I want to say something about uh, your chaplain, Mr. Montague Williams. Um, you guys are blessed, and I really don't know if you really know it. Um, I've known him for years, and I've watched him grow in college to graduate school to what he's doing and finishing his doctorate degree. And um, this man has been a, a great, great man. So I've watched him when you didn't know him and to see what he's doing now. You guys are so blessed. And so don't take it for granted. Make sure you guys pray for him, love on him, his wife, his beautiful baby. And um, don't take it for granted. I, I travel all over the country. I've been in a lot of chapels and they come dime a dozen. And so you guys got a good one for sure. Let me pray really quick. Father, thank you so much for being here. I count it an honor. Um, Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. I ask you to articulate the Father's heart through my voice to his people. I pray that every ear is open, every eye is open, every heart is open to receive that which you have for them. And so invade this space. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I am originally from Chicago, born and bred. Um, I grew up in the projects on the south side of Chicago. And my grandmother uh, had nine kids by five different baby fathers. And so I grew up in poverty. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. And so my mom had my brother at 14, had me at 16, and she was murdered at 17. Never met my father. Don't know who he is. My family don't know who he is. My uncle was in a gang. He was murdered at 17. My aunt was in a domestic violent relationship. Her boyfriend murdered her at 28, and I had another aunt that died at 15 from a brain tumor from the projects. And so I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I and why am I here? And so my grandmother raised nine grandkids after raising nine kids of her own in poverty in the projects. And so, man, I rebelled. My grandmother had one rule in her house, and it was this. I don't care what you do between 8 and 3.30, just don't come home. Now, mind you, you just raised nine kids. Now you're raising nine grandkids. So school hours was vacation. You feel me? So she was like, I don't care what you're doing. You're getting up out of here. And so we weren't made to go to school. Nobody in my family tree finished high school at the time. Nobody in my family went to college. So I would literally come home, throw my books down, and I would be outside to 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And so I was a kid who's that sat next to the teachers. I was a kid that was always suspended. I was a kid that was always in trouble. I was that kid. And so, man, I, I just flat out rebelled. I started smoking weed at 12. I, start, I was having sex at 12. I started drinking. I started hanging around the wrong people. When I turned 13, I started selling drugs because I hated being poor. I was a kid who had holes in my shoes. I was the bum on the block. I was a kid that was talked about. And so when I hit eighth grade, they didn't want to graduate me because I didn't do any work. And so in the state of Illinois, you have to pass a state constitution test. You needed a 75 to pass. I scored a 76, and they graduated me to eighth grade. That miracle. And so I made it to high school. <laughs> my high school was 2,500 kids. And so by this time, I'm game banging. My life is literally going down the tubes. I had no purpose, no reason to live. It really didn't care. I watched the repeated cycles of my family do the same stuff over and over again. All the men in my family died young, went to prison, kids they couldn't take care of. All the women in my family at that time, no education, baby daddies, kids they couldn't take care of. And so I was repeating the same cycle or on the verge to. And so my freshman year, a little over 300 kids tried out for the freshman boys basketball team. I was five foot four inches, maybe 110 pounds, and I made the team. Come on, somebody. 
I started all four years of high school as a point guard, and I was the man. Like, real talk. No, for real. I was the man. Like, I could do whatever I wanted with whoever I wanted, wherever I wanted, however I wanted. I hung out with the dudes who threw all the parties. I was that dude. Turned about King Homecoming Court, prom court, right? All the stuff y'all used to seek out there, it's all stupid. I didn't know it at the time. (laughs) And so I remember having this huge void in my heart because of the pain I went through. And I thought if I could do all this stuff, it would fill it. Well, the truth is the void got bigger. The more stuff I did, it was bananas. I couldn't, I had no peace. So my senior year come, I'm being recruited for basketball. I had schools looking at me and I was like, give her brother a scholarship to Alaska, send me to Africa, just get me up out of here. I'll go anywhere. Man, I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. How many think you go to college with a 14 ACT? Raise your, you better not raise your hand. It ain't happening. And so all those schools that were looking at me turned their back on me. And so I ended up taking a scholarship at a community college, which was not the plan, right? I'm going D1. I'm the man. You feel me? Got rocked. And so um, I played one year of basketball there. When I was 19 years old, I had an encounter that changed my life. My first cousin was the leader of a gang in our neighborhood. He had a little over 300 kids under him. They carried dope for him. They carried guns for him. Whatever he told them to do, they did. Well, he met this girl one night at Burger King. Have it your way, right? And, uh, <laughs> and so he met this girl at Burger King, and she didn't have a ride home. And so he walked her home. And her dad locked him in his living room and preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to him for three hours. And he gave his life to Christ on the spot. We met up at 19. He told me about who Jesus was, what he did on the cross. I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. My life radically changed. I finished at that um, community college with an associate's degree, first in my family, transferred to Olivet Nazarene University, um, finished my bachelor's degree and my master's degree. I'm the first ever in my family to go to college and get a college degree. Come on, somebody. And if you've never been to Olivet, it's like walking into a commercial. Come on, somebody. I've never seen the green grass in my life. The greenest grass you just take a nap on, you feel me? People out there like hitting golf clubs, with uh, tennis balls with golf clubs. You feel me? It was like slow motion. I am from the projects. I've never seen nothing in my life. People smiling, happy all the time. I'm like, why are y'all so happy about me? But man, I went to Olivet and it changed my life. So you might be thinking, what do your story have to do with me? Like, for real, what, what does my story have to do with you? Hey, we got more in common than you think. Let me just give you a couple. Man, that clock is ticking, B. Let me give you a couple. <laughs> Number one, you got the data to leave here. Ain't none of us escaping this piece of life. You got the data to leave here. So the question is, how do you want to be remembered? You know when you die, people are going to talk about you at your funeral? What you want them conversations to be? I am convinced with everything in me that God has called every single man on this earth to leave a mark. God has a plan for your life that if you can see it right now, you'll blush. And I'm a little light-skinned brother, so you can see my blush. You feel me? You probably can see that brother blush. He's kind of dark. But if you could really see what God has for you, real talk, you will blush. God has a plan that's, listen, I'm not just telling you this. I'm living it. How does a little nappy-haired kid from the projects with no parents, no future, end up serving multimillionaires? It don't add up. It's crazy. I literally sometimes wake up at night in tears thinking about what God has done in my life. And there's nothing special about Lamorse. I wasn't the smartest kid. You matter of fact, I had teachers that told me I wasn't going to amount to anything. Teachers told me that. You feel me? So if God can do what he has done in my life, how much more could he do in yours? And many of you started out on a better platform than me. 
Because the truth about life is it don't matter how you start. It only matters how you finish. It's cool that I flew a plane here. Lord have mercy. It's cool that I flew here, right? Got on a plane. But you know what I'm thinking the whole time? Man, I'm probably about to land this sucker. You feel me? <laughs> you about to land, B. Like, that's all that matters. So in life, first thing we have in common, you got the data leave here. So do something with your life. You get one shot. Once you stop breathing, it's over. The tragedy of life and death isn't dying. We all got to die. The tragedy of life and death is when you walk or drive past a cemetery and you think of all the books that never came forth, preachers that never came forth, politicians that never came forth, inventors, authors that never came forth because they died not living up to their God-given potential. God don't waste talent. God don't waste people. God don't waste gifts. We do. So you got to figure out what it is. Second thing we got in common, you born a sinner. You come that way. I don't care where you at, what you believe, what you think, you are born into sin. And it's that sin that separates us from a holy God. But God said, yo, I don't want to be separated from you. I got a plan. I'm going to send my son. Only thing I'm asking you to do is to believe in him. That's it. You believe in him. The Bible says you have everlasting life. And it puts you back in relationship with a holy God. Come on. Anybody here team iPhone? I know y'all ain't that galaxy, man. Y'all tripping. Yo, y'all should be banned from chapel, man. We having no explosions. But I'm team iPhone all day. If I have a box of iPhones and I hand them out to everyone and I say, count to three, turn your iPhone on. One, two, three, we all turn them on. How many, how many guys know that the default mode on there, they're all the same? Right? It comes that way. It comes that way. Right? You born a sinner, you come that way. But let me tell you, I could change the background on my phone. All y'all got. You probably got a picture of Shorty on there. Come on, somebody. You probably got the Tom Pretty Boy Brady on there. You feel me? <laughs> Being from Boston, maybe you got your home team on there. The point is you could change it. You could change it, right? God wants to change your mode. It's called being born again. He wants to give you a new heart. So just because you came into sin, don't mean you have to die in it. He came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Let me get to my message, man. Y'all tripping. <laughs> Real quick, today I want to talk to you about intimacy through prayer, intimacy through prayer. And I got one verse with y'all. Man, this thing keep popping up. I got a verse for y'all, Matthew 6, 6. It says this, but you, and I don't have time. You got to go read it in context. So I'm just dropping you off with a little something. You feel me? But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This is a scripture of intimacy, of intimacy. You got to realize that God's entire intent for man was to be intimate with him. The plan was not for us to be him and be here and him be there. That was not the plan. How many of you guys ever seen a movie where, you know, you, you, the dude on the scene and he like dying, got like 50 gunshots, you feel me? And you thinking the whole time like, yo, what happened? And it'd be like three, three hours earlier. You know what I'm talking about? If we get the background, let me give you a three hours earlier. So the intent for God and man was not for us to dwell apart. Here it is. God literally stepped out of eternity. In the Hebrew, God literally stepped out of eternity onto the earth. And the Bible says he formed Adam out of the dirt of the ground. Now, I am convinced with everything in me that Adam formed was about 6'8". Not this, not this new skinny LeBron, but old LeBron. You feel me? 6'8", <laughs> 260, swole. And I believe he had an afro. 
Now, here's my theological reason for why he had an afro. It's easy to pack dirt on the head than anything else. Makes sense to me. So here's Adam. Catch it. Here's Adam looking good. That brother was looking good. He is created by the hands of God. Now, look at the six days before. Everything that God created was good. There was no exception to Adam. That brother was good. But he was dead. So he looked good on the outside, but he was dead on the inside. And many of us walk that way. Oh, we got a swag about us. We're dressed nice. We'll say the right stuff. But are we really alive on the inside? Then the Bible says that God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. That word breath there literally translates in Hebrew a piece of God himself. God breathed into Adam a piece of himself. And the Bible says, and Adam became a living being. So when Adam opened his eyes, who was there? Talk to me. God. Yo, if I come breathing your nose, I'm married. I can't do that. Yo, if I'm going to breathe in your nose, I'm going to be close. And I believe God was like this when Adam opened his eyes. Come on. Intimacy. Intimacy. Right? So God wanted to walk with man. And look how merciful God was. Even after they sinned, the Bible says that God walked through the garden looking for Adam. God is looking for this brother. I believe it will look something like this. It's lunchtime. God had to go back to heaven, take care of some business. He's like, oh, snap, he's 1159. I'll get there in 0.1 seconds. No big deal. <laughs> he shows up for lunch and Adam ain't there. Now he like, hold fast, yo, B, Adam ain't never been late for lunch. Ever. Where this dude at? And the Bible says that God went looking for Adam in his sin. Let me tell you, I don't care where you at. God is looking for you. There's nothing you can do to stop the love of God from searching you out. Nothing. Why? Because Jesus already died. We're on the other side of the resurrection. His love is looking for you. He requires, he wants, he longs to be intimate with us. He didn't send his son for nothing. He sent it for something. You know what that something is? You and I. It is quiet in this Catholic chapel. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Number one, if you're going to become intimate with God through prayer, you got to pray. You got to pray. You got to talk to God. Be transparent with God. Be real with God. Come on. Jesus has an expectation that we will pray. Listen to this. But you, when you pray, he didn't say, but you, if you go pray. If you read in verse 1 in chapter 5, the Bible says, and the disciples came to him. He's talking to disciples. This is powerful. In context, this is very powerful. Excuse me. So he had an expectation that, yo, you're going to be praying. So let me help you out on what to do when you pray. Y'all with me? Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. You got to get moving in your prayer life. When you pray, go. You got to do something. Right? God did his part. Think about what God has done for us, B. The very lungs in your breath God has given you. The very life that you have God has given you. I don't care what you, what you think. He 
He's given it to the least we can do is to draw close to him. What did James say? If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Let me tell you, God can't lie. The scripture says that it's impossible for God to lie. So if we draw near to God, he promised that he would draw near to us. Promise. God can't lie. Come on. Our our job is to believe that God would do his job. I am standing in front of you alive today and ain't even shared all of my story. I was nearly kidnapped at 11. I was shot at. I am alive in front of you today because I was dumb enough to believe God's word. That's it. 50% high school dropout rate. My mother was a prostitute. Sold her body. That's why my family don't know who my dad is. I grew up thinking I was an accident. Then I read in the scriptures that God formed me in my mother's womb. One scripture. He formed me. Do you know the same? Do you know the Bible says that God placed the stars in the sky with his finger and called them by name? You remember you was a shorty and you had the little star project? You had to lick the stars and put them on a construction paper? God, with his finger. It, the scripture doesn't say plural. With his finger. Place the stars in the sky and call them by name. Scientists can't even tell us how many stars there are. Those same hands made you. Come on, somebody. Created you. If you ain't free of that, I don't know what else is. You are here for a reason. Everything that God creates, he creates for a purpose. There's a God that longs to be with you. The question is, do you know him? But you, when you go into your room, you got to go. This verse speaks of intimacy. God has always desired to be intimate with man. Always. Think through the scriptures. From Genesis to Revelation, we see these points when God is with man. Just you and me. Now, you go with God to be intimate with him so that you can come back into community to add value. See, your life isn't about you. Let me tell you this. Everything that God has placed on the inside of you is for somebody else. Everything. You got to stop robbing. I preach a message that's called stop robbing people. The, the idea is this, that God, when he wants to get something to the world, it comes through us or it comes through someone. When we don't live out our God-given potential, we don't give the world our gifts, we rob the world of what God wants to get to it. God made community on purpose. You can't isolate yourself. You can't be on the sideline by yourself. You got to get on the field, B. You got to get in the game. It ain't about you. You know what happens when you isolate yourself? You get picked off. You guys ever seen them National Geographics? And there's the lion. The pack of gazelles. Right? You feel me? So here's the pack of gazelles, right? Chilling, eating, doing their thing. And here's the lion like, yo, bro, I'm hungry. Like, like I'm hungry. Now, the lion knows he can't eat all 10 gazelles. He can't. It's impossible. (laughs) The lion's number one goal is to get just one. So as he takes off in his mind, he's thinking, yo, just one break off. Just break off. Get away from community. Get away from the pack and I got you. As soon as he takes off, all he needs is one to break off. See, when you buy yourself, you become a target. Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He can't get us all. 
Why? When two or three are gathered in my name. Come on, somebody. It's quiet in this place. Preaching to myself. So this intimacy through prayer, you got to get along with God, but you got to go. You got to do something. You got to draw first. You draw first. God promised he would draw. God always responds to us. Think about it. Think about it. Grace is present. Mercy is present. Forgiveness is present. Love is present. But how are we responding to it? He's not dying again. It's not being presented again. It's there. You just got to receive it. We see this in scripture really quick of this intimacy, a picture of it. Matthew 27, it says, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice. He's on the cross and he yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This veil, as we know, speaks of the temple. Many scholars believe it was 60 feet high, four inches thick, and it tore from top to bottom. Now, why in the heck did it tear from top to bottom, not bottom to top? Because if it's from the bottom to the top, then somebody can get do it. If I'm 60 feet high curtain, I could grab it from the bottom. But if it tears from the top, that's only God. Come on, somebody. In other words, the veil was torn because only the high priest can go behind the veil. No one else could. When Jesus died on the cross and became my sin, the veil was torn because now we have access to God. That's intimacy. There's no one else that come before him on our behalf. Jesus did it on the cross. Now we have full access. The Bible says come boldly to the throne. Why can, we come become, why can we come boldly? Not because of who we are, but because of what he did. See, you, if you have an issue with anything in your life, just put Jesus smack dead in the middle. It'll fix everything. I felt abandoned, no father. Oh, snap. And my God shall supply all my needs. Oh, snap. What? Come on, somebody. I felt like I had no purpose in my life. Oh, what? Jesus did what? He came that I have my wife and have it more abundantly, not just spiritually. What? It rocked me, B. Rocked me. Changed my life. You know what religion is? Religion is man's attempt to reconcile themselves to God. You can't do it. You know what relationship is? Leaning in and trusting what Jesus did on the cross, which reconciles you to God. It's all about the cross. It will always be about the cross, and it has always been about the cross. You got to lean in. Intimacy. Yo, this clock is moving too fast. If this ENC internet thing pop up one more time, <laughs> I'm finna walk over to IT. You feel me? B, no, I don't want you right now. I'm married. Get off my back. <laughs> number one. So here it is, number one. I'm almost done. Prayer is action. Go. But you, when you pray, go into your room. Come on. Number two, God wants some alone time with you. Go into your room. And when you have shut the door, it's too much noise, man. Facebook, Twitter. Come on, somebody. IG. It's so noisy. It's so noisy. Man, you got to get in the room and shut the door. What does the door speak of? Access. Who you letting in the door? Matter of fact, are you even in the room? Yo, you got to show up. You show up, God shows out. 
The quickest way to silence the noise of this world is to freaking get alone. Yo, you just got to text your roommate like, B, I need you to be gone for 35 minutes. Like real talk. I need at least 35. I got to get with God. People hated me in my dorm room, Jack. I tell my roommate, bro, I need 30. I'll lock my door, blast worship music, and go all in. Do you hear me? Now, mind you, I worked three jobs in college. I put myself to school. My grandma didn't send me no care packages. You feel me? There was no checks being dealt out. It was me and God. Father, I can't do this without you. I need you. And let me tell you, you know what God's greatest pleasure is? To be trusted. You know what his greatest pain is? To be doubted. God longs to be trusted. He is looking to show himself on your behalf. But he ain't no, God don't control people. So you got to step up. You got to step in. You got to lean in. That's so quiet, man. Talk back to me. He wants them a long time. And we see this often in scripture too. Jesus got along plenty of times. Let me just give you the references. Matthew 14, 23. Mark 1, 35. Luke 9, 18. Luke 22, 39 through 41. Jesus got along plenty of times. But after he came along, what did he come and do? He poured himself into others. So yes, you want to draw closer to God by being intimate with him in your prayer life. But as soon as you come out of that, God is saying, look, there's someone here broken. Can you pray for him? There's someone feeling isolated and alone. Can you pray for them? You know what I did my first semester in college at Olivet? Me and my roommate? We went to every table to meet people to every meal. So we had like the center table where all the black people sat. You feel me? <laughs> like, yo, the Midwest is different. You feel me? It's crazy. People crazy. <laughs> but we had like the, where all the black people sat. You feel me? But I'm like, yo, cool, deuces, I see y'all are in the mirrors, you know what I'm saying? But I'm trying to be people. I ain't finna be paying all this money to be here by myself. Like, I'm trying to be some folk. So me and my roommate intentionally, at every meal, sat at a different table so that we can meet people. There's something about you that someone else, there's something on the inside of you into which you can add value to someone else. But you got to get out of your comfort zone. The world needs us. Look at this world, B. Hey, I feel sorry for y'all. This generation, yo, especially for y'all first-time voters, I might need to go into fasting for y'all, B. <laughs> Man. But just because of what's going on in the world has nothing to do with what our commission is. Come on, somebody. We don't stop going into the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you hear me? If you don't know what your purpose is in life, I just gave it to you. (laughs) But you, when you go in your room, action, go. And when you have shut the door, intimacy, pray. You got to get alone. Pray to your father who is in the secret place. So where is God? He's there waiting on you. He's already there. Come on. Have your mama ever been late from picking you up from practice? Lord have mercy. Listen, God is never late, ever. Matter of fact, God does not even abide by time. 
He's outside of time. So he's waiting on you, but you got to show up. I'm going to have a band come quick. Intimacy, prayer. One, you got to do something. Two, you got to have action. One, you got to have action. Two, you got to shut your door and get along. And three, you got to have expectation that God going to show up. It's expectation that moves God. It's faith that moves God. You got it, he shows up. He longs to be intimate with you. Listen, it wasn't the nails that kept Jesus on the cross. The nails couldn't hold them. It was his love for you and I that kept him on that cross. If that's not love, an innocent man was murdered for you. Murdered. He was murdered. He was murdered. Real talk. He was innocent. They cried out for Barabbas. You know who Barabbas is? You and I. He took your place. Man, if that ain't intimacy, I don't know. Man, bro, I don't know no greater sacrificial act of love than to die for some knuckleheaded people. Now, I got a son. Would I give my son for this world? Oh, no. That's why I wasn't born in Abraham's time. That's why I couldn't come in this generation. Because if I was on the top of that mountain and he said, give your son, I'm like, God, I'm sorry. All these knuckleheaded people, listen, God made a covenant in which he would get the less end of the deal. He gave his only son knowing that not everyone would believe in him. What kind of God is that? I work with NFL players where their agent is trying to get every dollar to get the best end of the deal. I've even had the pleasure of helping negotiate a couple of my players' deals. And they get every dollar. God, who was rich in mercy, gave us his son knowing that not everyone would believe that's love. That's sacrifice. That's intimacy. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. No one looking around. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. You might be here and you say, man, yo, this speaker crazy. I got one agenda today and that's to tell you this, that there's a loving God who loves you. There's a loving God who bankrupt heaven by giving us his son and asks you this one question. Will you believe? It's not about our merits. It's not about what we do, how we can do, when we do. It ain't about us. It's all about believing what Jesus did. So if you hear this morning, you say, you know what? I've never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking religion. You never had an encounter with Jesus Christ. You never experienced this love. You never experienced this intimacy. I want to give you an opportunity. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to simply respond by raising your hand on the count of three. If you hear and you say you've never had an encounter with Jesus Christ, but you want one today, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nothing to be ashamed of. We all family. You can put them down. Can I just get everyone to pray this prayer after me? It's by faith and I need you to believe it in your heart. Say, Father in heaven, I believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth to die for my sins. He was buried in the grave, yet he rose again for me. He was innocent and he became sin for me. And so I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ 
is Lord. My life will not be the same again from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. If you prayed that prayer, I want to welcome you to the family of God. And the Bible says that you are a new creation. All things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. Bless you guys. Thank you for your time.